Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie talking about the sermon from February 14th, 2021. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church podcast, episode 59. Hey, I don't think so, it was. No? Does, no. does that get a hey? No. no. If it was like 100. Ah. That was a hey. We should 59? have music. If one hundred gets a, gets music, that gets a theme song. I think. You think fifty nine gets hail? That's like the anniversary thing. Well, the anniversary is like what? What fifty ninth is the hayo anniversary? Yeah. If if fifty nine gets hayo, then I can't wait to see what sixty what is. What do you think 75. is the hayo episode? I mean, I feel like it's got to at least be a round number. No, that's a fair point. Fifty nine is like fifty nine. 59. It seems That seems like a lot. We've done this several times now. I know. We sh- I feel like we should be in a better groove. We should definitely be better at this. We've said that many times. But 59, I feel like until you get to 100, we have that's our grace period. Okay. Our warm-up period. It's like a diesel engine where they say like the first 100,000 miles are like the break-in period. <laughs> Just, I don't We're, think they say that. We are. Uh, I'm pretty sure. And we are. we are like a diesel engine. We right. take a long time to break in, but once we do, it is smooth sailing. We have high expectations for episode 100 and beyond. Yeah. So that's what, yeah. So keep waiting until then. In the meantime. In the meantime, we should do 50, 59. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this was a this was a fun week because I actually had to stop my sermon and say to be continued. You did. It was a doozy. It was like an 80s sitcom, very special episode. <laughs> It was. It was. I always, I always both loved and did not love those. Like, You'll I have like, to explain that a little more. Well, like, I, I mean, don't think anybody it's, knows. It's what you're super about. fun. It's fun to feel like, ooh, this one continues. But then I also don't love delayed gratification, and so then I got to wait a whole week to find out how they're going to get out of that jam. Oh, you're talking. You've gone back to the '80s sitcoms. Correct. It's very special episodes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, you'd have to wait, and you have to wait a whole week. Yes. Yeah. Did you think that I was saying your sermon was both my favorite and I didn't like it? Yes. Oh. That is 100%. I'm glad we percent. Yeah, 100%. I'm definitely glad we clarified that. Well, actually, I thought you meant like when you've preached sermons like that, you, that's been your favorite and not. And then it oh, got confusing. Gotcha. But you're talking about 80 sitcoms, like different strokes, you know. Yeah, you get the family ties, and, uh, and all of a sudden there's like only four minutes left, and you're like, this thing isn't going to wrap up. They right. Don't, they, there's too many loose ends. Well, there's like this the car to be, accident to be one. Continued. Oh, that was Growing Pains, the car accident. Oh. And there's, that was to be continued. Oh, man. So many, so many great special episodes that were to be continued, dot, so, dot, dot. And then you get the previously. Which oh, are, yeah, the recaps. Yeah. You need the recap because you had to wait an entire week right. to see and, the next episode. And there's no internet to like refresh your memory on it or whatever. And um, So just like the Growing Pains car accident episode, <laughs> this Sunday we had a to be continued. Which is more of a train wreck than a car accident, I feel like. I disagree. Okay. I thought it was good. And I I appreciated the, for those behind the scenes people, here's the here's a peek behind the curtain. That was not planned. Oh, no. That was that was Jay realizing he has far too much content to try to squeeze into 90 seconds and and making the correct decision to say it's too important to to just skim the end of this and and to bump it to the end. That that is not something that 
even you, who is typically uh, like you don't stress at all about making last second changes, like that's uh -huh. kind of your wheelhouse, but that's unusual even for you. Yes, on the fly to just determine this is going to be a whole other sermon. Yeah, but it was, but I did know going into it that the point that we're going to, that will be next week's sermon about the false gospel that I think is threatening um, the church right now is the biggest threat to the church right now. I knew that that needed enough time. And so my original plan was to put that up front in the sermon, even though I didn't think, I didn't think it flowed as well or in, in that way, but I just wanted to put it up front so it didn't get shortchanged. Okay. But then at the last minute, I changed it to the end saying, ah, surely I can handle preaching in a reasonable amount of time. Turns out I couldn't. Hmm. Turns out I got to a place and I said, well, that is really that time? So I just spared everybody and cut it off. Fun fact, though, I ended up trying to wrap up my sermon, and that took longer, I think, than the other point would have. Well, I don't know. I mean, I definitely feel like you can you can use an entire sermon to unpack <laughs> yeah. false a false gospel, false gospels, and yeah. how important it is to be aware of that. Yeah. So, was there anything from this past week? So, this is a strange one because normally we ask, like, is there anything we left out? Well, yes, an entire other sermon, which is coming next week. Correct. So, is there anything from this week that you feel like needs uh, that you listened to that you heard and thought, eh, maybe we should talk about that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you you even mentioned it in the sermon. If if uh, you 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 made the you made it kind of an offhand comment about this is likely to be the statement that will be taken out of context or misunderstood. Oh, yes. So that's a. I felt I immediately wrote that down and thought that would be good to unpack a little bit more because mm -hmm. because you're right. It was a fairly shocking statement. It was absolutely true, but not necessarily the way that we would typically think about this. So I would love for you to take a minute and unpack a little more the idea of uh, pursuing truth and missing Jesus. Like how, how you, you unpacked that for a few minutes and kind of explained how we can do that and why it's important to guard against that. But, but I wonder if you could, you could kind of round that out a little bit and unpack that a little more. Yeah, I think, I just think that right now we've, the trump card seems to be just saying truth. Like if I'm pursuing truth, that somehow that somehow we are able to arrive at some objective truth in our own strength, in our own minds. And just for the sake of clarification, because that word now means something different, you mean Trump card not in reference to our former president, right. but in terms of I, card games where yeah. the Trump card is a... Sorry, a yeah, game. that's probably going to change the whole meaning. That's like my favorite go-to. I need a new phrase. What would be the phrase? We do. Well, uh, yeah, we need it, to know, do enough people play spades right. and, and things of that nature that they <laughs> understand what a card. trump card is and that we're not making a reference to... You could also say like silver bullet, I guess, or kill shot or mic drop. more violent. Mic drop? Mic drop. That's a good. There you go. There you go. Nobody's dying in that illustration. N no, not physically, but sometimes people are slaying in that situation. Oh, see I see what, what you did. See what I did? I see where you went. So, yeah, I guess the the mic drop moment for a lot of people is to just say, well, truth. And yeah. And I just want to I wanted to set that and kind of look at that and say, look, just a pursuit of truth that actually doesn't lead to anything. And I I meant what I meant by that is that processing processing truth with a sinful mind uh, doesn't lead to abundant life. It doesn't 
doesn't lead to perfection. We, we do not believe in the gospel of Jesus. We don't believe that we are perfected through knowledge. We don't believe that we attain some kind of higher level of awareness or understanding. I mean, these are all different kinds of religions and philosophies that work their way in to Christianity. It, the Christian gospel is that Jesus is the truth. Like he, he is our pursuit. He, Which is not an interpretation. No, no. He literally says that. Yes. I am the truth. Right. End quote. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He, he says that he is. So, so my point was, if you pursue just truth in your own sinful flesh and mind, you will, you'll receive nothing and you will miss Jesus. But if you pursue Jesus, then you receive truth because Jesus is the truth. And, um, and you will receive everything that goes with the pursuit of Jesus. So when people talk about, well, we can't have unity without truth, I, I want to make emphatically the point that in the church we're talking about, we cannot have unity without Jesus. So that was, I mean, I do know that people will take that out of context. They'll say that, like, that's devaluing truth. And I would just argue that if you believe that truth apart from Jesus is as valuable as Jesus, the the truth manifested in Jesus, well, then we have a different issue. Right. I mean, the alternative is you're devaluing Jesus. Correct. At the right. at the expense of of uh, plausible arguments, uh, which Paul warns us against. Which is what he's saying over and over again when he's talking about you're you're missing the point. So when you ask the question of is it is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, you're actually breaking the greater commandment you're you're yeah. arguing about this thing and what they what pharisees what the pharisees often wanted to do is they wanted to isolate small detail situations they wanted to back people into a corner and saying for example are you saying it's wrong to tithe mint and dill like that's really what they're trying to get at like what what would you say about this and the point is you're missing you're missing the bigger truth their truth there are there are different levels of truth. There are yeah. truths that are more important than other truths. Like it who who the best quarterback in the history of the NFL is not as important as how we are to treat the poor. Right. I mean there there are different levels of of truth and Jesus is demonstrating that a lot when he says you're you're violating this greater commandment. You're you're doing this smaller thing, but you are missing actually the point. So you're studying the scriptures, you're missing me, you're caring more about is it lawful or not on the Sabbath rather than what is good for this human, like how to love this human. You care more about, you know, whether we're supposed to wash our hands or not, rather, you know, outside of worshiping God, they, they're constantly doing that. And so that's why I say all of those examples are why I would say if you're just pursuing truth on any given topic, on any given situation, and your whole pursuit is I want to know what is true, you will end up missing Jesus. But if you pursue Jesus in that, then you will, you will also arrive, you will arrive at truth. So there you go. And I, if I can speak on his behalf, if I'm understanding what he wrote correctly, I would argue that Paul would argue that you cannot actually arrive fully at truth apart from unity with one another. Like we we be, we mm-hmm. view those things as being opposed to one another that we can only have unity unless there's a there's a, a differentiation in, in how we 
define truth, which is really what it is. It's not at the expense of the truth. It's, well, I define truth differently than you do. So there's right. a subjectivity to truth. So really, the ironic thing is that as we are claiming objective truth, we are actually demonstrating a subjective understanding of truth um, and missing where Paul explicitly says that he, as he's praying, he's struggling for the Laodiceans, right? And the, and the Colossians, we, we read, we studied this just a couple of months ago when we went through Colossians. Um, his prayer is that their hearts may be encouraged being knit together in love in order to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So Paul's point is, I want you to be unified so that you will reach the truth. Like that's right. That's the order of how that happens. Unity under Christ, submission under Christ, then leads us to the truth. So if we say, well, I'll be unified with you, but not at the expense of the truth, I'm functionally cutting my own legs off and saying, well, I'm like, I'm, I'm well, I love the way C.S. Lewis says it. You, you cut off the limb that you're sitting on, mm-hmm. right? So, well, you know, I'm going to side on truth instead of unity. And Jesus says, well, there is no truth outside of you. That's, that's the pathway to discover the fullness of my truth in being willing to come together in spite of your differences in submission to me. Which you know, th- this is a whole other topic in another sermon, but that's why the church being the body of Christ is much deeper than we ever oh, yeah. consider. Oh, yeah. That you, that's what unity ends up being because we are the body of Christ. And so just like, like how in the world could I possibly understand Jesus as the the, the truth if I don't, if I'm, broken apart from the body right and, right so that it's not just a hey we're supposed to all kind of get along it's no this is this is how we actually fulfill the mission in the world this is how we actually are given understanding and wisdom it's because we supernaturally are bonded together as the body of christ right because the hand separated from the body is not a smaller body right it's a disembodied hand it's yes. just it's it's worthless it's dead that's dark, but yes. <laughs> I mean, that's the picture that he well, paints, right? Well, unless like, you're in the that, Adams family. That's a, that's a strong argument. Mm-hmm. We should definitely base our theological and doctrinal understandings on, <laughs> on thing. Should have gone like with an <laughs> ear. I don't, I don't know. But I, feel, so, I think, doesn't Paul use hand? I feel like Paul uses he did, hand. Yes, I, well, it's just, you know, but he didn't see the Adams family. That's true, if he had known better. He didn't have those cultural references. <laughs> um, So... So this this week we are going to I'm going to kind of dive more into that of well then you know what are those what are those key things like how then do we discern um you know when when something is a actual false teaching and heresy and and um you know we're going to talk about some of those things but I know that a lot of times we just we we want the shortcut and we just want to yeah. know what the answer is yeah. who am I supposed to listen to who am I not supposed to listen to what am I supposed to think? What am I not supposed to think? And and we just want to say that's that's part of the issue. That's exactly right. It's it's our pursuit of Jesus. That should be on the foremost part of our mind. Our our main concern should not be how do I decode, like tell me what how am I supposed to respond? What does the Bible say about how I'm supposed to respond in this situation? Is typically the wrong question. The question is how do I pursue Jesus and follow Jesus in this situation? Mm. And 
And so that's that's the big overarching point that we wanted, um, or overarching point. Sorry, Robbie. Um, Forgiven. Thank you. The overarching point um, is is the pursuit of Jesus is right. is preeminent. Yeah. So there you go. But we had a question. Yeah, I mean, on on that on exact that topic. Exact, I mean, someone someone topic. asking why. Um, why do we not name names essentially like if we're if we're saying this is this important and 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 you are i believe accurately and biblically defining some of these false teachers as wolves that that sort of which is ironic because the most the most likely to actually be a wolf is the one who is screaming that everyone else is wolves yes right so um so but but so as you're, I believe, biblically defining some of these voices as wolves, I think a very reasonable question that I got is, so why do we not call out some of those people by name so that somebody knows, well, they, they should not be listening to that voice anymore? Yeah, and I, I want to let you answer this. I do want to distinguish, though, because it, it feels like we're kind of meshing two worlds together. Yeah, There are teachers, authors, pastors— that may or may not be false teachers like that there's you have a category of people who write write books speak at conferences speak in churches some lead in the church so you have that category and then you have the people who comment on those people right so there are there are speakers and authors and then there are um there are people who they write and speak about the people who write and speak so sometimes they're called watchdog sites because they're like they see themselves as the guardians of truth in the church, and so they are they're the ones who will. Sometimes they're called discernment sites, which is an ironic name it if is. I've ever heard irony. Um, and so they will call out names of they'll say these teachers are okay, these are not. And then often my favorite is when they have a whole list of well we really don't know. And I think man, how sure do you have to be about the people who are on the good list? That you would actually have a third list of people that the hmm. jury's still out on. Hmm. That's a whole other. And what are you waiting for to right. determine whether or yeah. not you can listen to them? Yeah. Um, and so, so I want to just differentiate in those groups. And so, who I was mainly speaking about this weekend was not the author, speakers, all that. That's actually that'll come up more this week. But this past weekend, I was talking about the people who comment on that and those kind of discernment sites who get a following based on division in the church. Like that's how their whole existence is based on causing division and stirring up controversy, um, which is explicitly forbidden in... I mean, condemned, uh, condemned in Scripture. Yes. Condemned in Scripture. The idea of I have a website devoted to slandering pastors is overtly condemned in Scripture. Not using the term website, but like that... Just right, that not part, using that, that mentality... Um, but so, I mean, that, that's just such a strange, I mean, it's just such a weird context that we're in because yes. at no other time in church history, have you been able to just create your own authority and platform, right? There was, you always, before this, before the invention of social media and the internet, like this sort of handled itself because the, the, you know, kind of fringe, radical, unqualified individual 
trying to be careful. I'm not, I'm not unnecessarily unkind in my adjectives here, but like the, the, a radical fringe individual would come to the pastor and say, I want you to let me teach because I want to share these radical fringe ideas. And the qualified pastor who is under authority, given authority by God biblically, uh, assumingly or uh, we assume ordained and affirmed by a group of, of also ordained and affirmed authorities within the church in the way that God has set forth tells that person, no, you can't have the pulpit because you're not qualified to do this. And so uh, you're, you're not allowed to, to spread this kind of misinformation and, and divisive slander. And so that was held at bay by qualified leadership. And you couldn't, if, if some dude just walks up and like shoves the pastor out of the pulpit and starts talking, everyone else in the congregation goes, that guy shouldn't be there. And they, they don't have a voice. But we exist in this weird context now where I don't even have to leave my own house, let alone have any sort of biblical education, qualification, affirmation from my local body of, of church leadership, like scripture demands, like I can just create my own sense of platform and authority. And it's just bizarre. It's such a weird thing. And then those, then those people who, I mean, I read one of these sites, I was reading the about this person and in his description of himself, he said, I was pulled aside by all of the elders in my church and told that not only was I wrong, but that I was hurting people by being an unkind bully. And I'm reading this going, wow, like this is really transparent. And then he, he, at the next paragraph, he says, so I knew I had to leave this, ch this church because they couldn't handle the truth. And so then I started oh, my own website. And I was <laughs> like, oh my goodness, like the authority, the biblical authority that God put over you obeyed Jesus and the New Testament and did what God has commanded them to do. And, and you rejected that and now have taken it upon yourself to create this own platform. It's just so weird. The internet has given us this really weird scenario. And so we have all of these voices and it is really sometimes challenging to discern who should I be listening to and why. And I thought you did such a great job on Sunday of, of beginning to clarify that. And I'm looking forward to, to even more of that clarification next Sunday of of, of what God has actually set forth in scripture of what authority looks like and who should have it and who doesn't. Um, I think that's, that's really important. Um, but to the question. Yeah. Why don't I, you answer the question? Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and answer the question. Um, dealing with this weird scenario that we're in and trying to figure out like, okay, so who do we listen to? Uh, the, when the person asked me this, the, the first three things that popped in my, popped into my head is number one, we don't name names because we're not trying to create dependence on us. Wait, so did you state the question? The question that was a while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a long time. I think it was like fifteen minutes ago. All right, so the question was <laughs> why don't we name names on who these false teachers are? Which yeah. is the point where I interrupted and then we went down a rabbit trail. And then I went on my rant so, about right. the internet. So why don't we name names of either websites or like pastor, teacher, authors of people to kind of stay away from? Right. So I think n number one because we're not trying to, to build dependence on us. We don't want to have to create a scenario where you feel like the only way I know what is true and what is right is if I come to Robbie or Jay. Um, first of all, that's, that's not spiritually healthy, right? It is way better. And what our actual biblical command as pastor shepherds is, is to equip you 
to be able to discern that on your own. So we want to be able to give you the biblical tools to know how to discern the Holy Spirit that dwells in you to know, wait a minute, that statement is the opposite of what Jesus said. That can't be true. So we want to equip you to be able to discern that on your own, not create a dependence on us, which ironically is precisely what these other people are doing. They want you to not be able to discern on your own. They want you to only depend on them and have to come to them to tell you who you are and are not allowed to listen to. So that in and of itself should be a red flag, which, which is point number two. We don't want to commit the exact same sin that, that these wolves are committing, right? I don't, wolfy practices do not make better sheep. So for us to to say, you know, the issue is, you know, you have to come to us, you have to listen to us. Well, that's what we're pointing out is the very problem in, in a lot of these voices. And so it certainly doesn't help to, to just combat, uh, no, well, you can't listen to them. No, you can listen to them. No, you can listen. Like that's, that is fruitless and, and unhelpful. And scripture calls that out as well, a necessary controversy. Um, and then the third thing is, um, it's just so much more nuanced, I think, than listen to this person, don't listen to this person. And, and we can get into this more, and I know, I know uh, you have some thoughts on this as well, but um, I think, again, part of the problem here is a lot of these voices are saying, this, pers- this author, this pastor made this statement, therefore, Everything they have ever done is now tainted and must be rejected. Throw out all their books, throw out all their commentaries. You can't trust them as a voice anymore because they made this one statement that may or may not actually be false, right? But, like, there's got to be a difference between um, this person, like, hey, they wrote this commentary on Romans. It's great. Their opinion on this other thing, not so great. Like, kind of conflicts with other aspects of scripture because the reality is that person is not Jesus so they're going to be wrong sometimes and so if we just put out this list of don't listen to these people well those people may be wrong about certain things but they may also have some really beneficial and helpful insights in other areas Uh, or conversely (laughs) if I say yes this voice is great and then tomorrow they say something bonkers. I don't want to confuse you by feeling like, well, Robbie said this is an okay voice, so this bonkers thing must be true. Yeah, I mean, let's be clear that if the standard is that a person never states anything that is incorrect, <laughs> then everybody's a false teacher. Everybody. Everyone. Literally every non-Jesus human being or any apostle, non-apostle who is in that present time being inspired by the Holy Spirit to write out scripture. We we all are, whether we realize it or not, we all have blind spots. We all get riled up about something and go too far with it. We all see things differently as we, um, as we mature in Christ. So, so that, that idea of just kind of wholesale, giving a wholesale endorsement or a wholesale rejection. And you're talking about the wholesale rejection. And right. and I've said that I'm also concerned about the wholesale endorsement. Like you said there, that, you know, what if they say something else? Can I, um, do I have a, do I have a category um, to say, yeah, I just disagree with them here. Right. Um, 
but because I think that to endorse someone, if, if we came out and we said, hey, these 10 teachers we think are fantastic. Now, we do recommend teachers. We'll quote, we'll quote, quote authors in a sermon and say, hey, I highly recommend this book or, you know, I really love his writings. You know, we, I, that's fine. Um, but we don't, if we pit that against people we don't trust, well, now you're starting to say these people are infallible and right. you're giving them a platform that the Bible doesn't give them, just like it'd be a platform we don't. Um, and I think we need to cl clarify something. You said that we want to be able to equip people to be able to discern that on their own. And I know what you mean by that. Um, we're saying, you're saying that in the context, I believe, of that you don't have to go to the pastor to find out, should I, is this okay or is it not? What, but we would not say that it's just like you and your Bible against the world and you in your own mind in scripture can discern all of that. Because like we talked about, it's in unity. So right. in the church body. Good heavens, no, because that would so, obviously right. be completely crazy and unbiblical. Right, right. So, so I just want to clarify that, that <laughs> right. when we say like on your own, what we mean is just that every every member of the body of Christ is given is given the Holy Spirit, and with the Holy Spirit comes discernment, and we wrestle through that together. And so, in that context, yes, right. but we don't want to create what we don't want to create a culture is people to come and say like, "Well, um, is this person good or bad?" I mean, most of the time, unless I know the person to be just an absolute heretic, they're an absolute heretic. Then I will gladly tell right. the church. And if a if a known heretic was gaining influence in our church, then I would name names. Like I could see, I'm not saying I would never name names. Right. If all of a sudden three quarters of our church, like I'm constantly getting bombarded with, oh, have you read this book? Have you read this book? And it's a clear heretical teaching. Um, that's the time that you name names. That's right? the time that I name names. To protect the church, right? Right. Right. And and I to further clarify that people don't misunderstand my overstatement that thinking that that means we're not here to help certainly if if you are struggling with a particular teaching or teacher um and and you aren't certain like some things feel kind of iffy or you've heard a lot of people speaking either against them or in favor of them and it, something just feels a little unsettled about that we are certainly here to help you process is this type of teaching biblical or not um but we don't want to preempt, you know, you and your biblical community working that out together by just saying, don't even think about it. Just don't listen to this person and only listen to this person. Like it, then that negates the Holy Spirit, which is problematic. That is definitely problematic. Uh, so then how do we know? I mean, I think one of the questions then that comes up is how do I, how do I discern then? I mean, what about... You, you mentioned the situation where I I have somebody that, okay, I agree with that, per, that person. I mean, there's lots of people I can mention that I agree with like 95% or 98% or 99% of what they teach and think it's really great. And then we disagree on this, on, you know, a couple of issues. Um, but I can kind of sift through that and say, well, yeah, you just, you reached a different conclusion over here than, than I do from scripture, but that doesn't discredit everything else that you've said right um but when what about when it there's fruit like what about when it's a heart issue what about um because i think that's that's a struggle that i've had in the past where um 
where it's one thing it's one thing to just say okay love everything that you're saying how you're saying and everything over here over here i disagree it's another thing when all of their teaching is tainted with what seems to be a lack of the fruit of the spirit mm. like mm. a lack of humility a lack of joy a lack of patience a lack of kindness um how uh, do how do we handle that man i mean there's there's there is something significantly different in in feeling about a person this person reflects the character of christ the compassion of christ and i think is might, might be wrong about this particular doctrinal or methodological detail versus this person is really smart knows a ton about the bible but looks and acts nothing like jesus like those those feel worlds apart from one another because to your point of knowing truth and missing jesus i mean we know throughout christian history there have been theologians who write books about theology who don't believe in jesus like yes so to to know a lot of facts and know a lot of statements that are in fact true does not mean that you are redeemed and adopted by God. And and scripture tells us what it looks like when you are, that, that the fruit that is born out of that is compassion, is love, is peace, is patience, is joy. And so I, I do think that, that that should be a red flag if we say, well, yes, what they say is true, but everything about them um, looks like if I had to pick one or the other, they're going to look way more like a Pharisee than they do Jesus. Like that, that's a problem. And man, just as a, as a personal confession, like, like as God has sanctified me in that, I have had to repent of that. Like there are, there are books that I have read in the past and pastors that I have followed that I I loved at the time because they spoke what I believe they spoke hard truth right they weren't afraid uh, to to offend people and and they believed things passionately and um, I mean as we were talking this morning I was I was reminded of one one in in particular where I was going through a book with with a good friend of mine and I'm loving this book and at one point just a few chapters in my friend said I, I don't I don't really like this book. And I was like, why, man, this is awesome. Like he's like nailing this on the head and these things are so important. People need to hear this. And his response was, I just, I don't think the author's very nice. Like he's just, there's a total lack of compassion. He seems very like bitter and condescending. And I, I just, I don't know, man. I don't, I just, I'm uncomfortable. And at the time, my response was to gently rebuke my friend and just say, like, I think you're just, you just can't handle hard truth. Like, he's just telling it like it is, right? And and sometimes, you know, there just has to be somebody who's willing to do that because people aren't listening, right? And I, and I look back now years later after what, what Christ has convicted me of over years and I grieve over that conversation because I have since gone back and read the book and it's horrifying. Like it is so condescending. It is so Christless in its demeanor and its delivery. 
And I, I wish so desperately that I had listened to my friend at the time who was more discerning than me because he was discerning a greater truth, which was, this does not reflect Christ. The statements that he's making may be factually accurate, but this does not reflect Christ. And that was the greater truth that I was missing in that. And and I think what's, and, and I have been in the same boat. I mean, I look back uh, similar situations and I, I think what's important when those things happen, that doesn't mean that all of the doctrine was wrong in that book. Right. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden now I have to question everything that was taught in that. It just may mean something as simple as, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to find a different voice. Right. Um, you know, we've had that here recently, you know, in the people who were influenced by a particular nationally known pastor who lost their ministry because of issues of this, basically of lack of the fruit of the spirit of arrogance and pride and bullying and all these different things. And so a lot of people were grieving over that. And, um, they're seeing it happen with some other people that they've known and trusted and benefited from their teachings. And I would say that that doesn't mean that all their teachings were wrong, but it does, it, maybe it means moving forward. Um, you just, you go to different sources. Like we want to, yeah. we want to be drawn to the sources that are exhibiting the fruit of the spirit as, um, as they're teaching. And it's, it's to our shame that we've discounted a lot of voices that over time have, have, persevered and demonstrated that, oh, they were actually um, far more sanctified than than people. Uh, like Eugene Peterson comes to mind. Uh, Eugene yeah. Peterson was just torn to shreds, you know, when the, the message came out and, and people just saw him as this, you know, called him all kinds of things and saying like he, he couldn't speak hard truth and that, you know, all these different things. But over time, you saw the consistent witness of a man who just loved Jesus and shepherded people and cared for people. And, you know, I don't agree with everything that Eugene Peterson believes or, or no. believed or taught. Um, but that's who I want to be like when I grow up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. and, and I think right now, yeah. I mean, that's one of the tips I would give to people is, is really, I've said this before in a sermon, but, but discern truth. Um, Lauren, my wife, has this phrase when I try on something, try on a shirt or something that she's gotten for me. Um, she never tells me it looks bad. Um, her phrase is, we can do better. And uh, now, yes, that is code. So for, yeah, it is so kind. But her her point often, though, and she'll say, and she, <laughs> I don't know how she's going to feel about me using that right now. Um, but it's because she's kind and gentle. And she looks at it, and her point is not, you look terrible in that shirt. She's just right. thinking... There's, there's better things. Why would you wear that shirt? I we can do better. Yeah, I know. I believe she means that sincerely. That's exactly yeah. what she means. She means that's yeah. not a euphemism. She no. actually means that. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not a cover for what I really want to say. Is that <laughs> looks hideous. Right. It, no, she's saying like I've seen you in other shirts that look better on you. We can do better. And so um, I feel that way with these authors and speakers and yeah. and books. You know. So if you're in a situation where maybe there's somebody that has really been influential and God has used in your life and um, formed a lot of your beliefs and now you're hearing things that they're saying and and it's making you discouraged because you're you're kind of cringing at it and you're feeling man that that feels like it's lacking fruit of the spirit um i would say don't don't despair over that uh but m maybe look at it and say we we can do better hmm. like that book that you read that you're referencing robbie like 
I know the book of which you speak, and there's a multitude of volumes that teach very similar doctrine with a completely different demeanor that um, that we can read. Right, right. Um, it's which kind, is the yeah. advantage of the context that we live in right yes. now, right? It used, yeah. you know, 100 years ago, it was like, man, my pastor is the worst. I'd be like, I know a great guy. You just need to take a boat across the Atlantic to Scotland right. and listen to this guy. Like, like now we have access to these things. If it's a bad, if, if that book is no good, we've got 20 other books that we can recommend to you. Um, so, so access in and of itself is not the problem. It's how we use it. Yeah. And these issues have always been uh, you know, the heart on the hearts of men. It's just, we live in a time where technology makes it, uh, just exacerbates That's all right. of it. Absolutely. You know, like, so you go back to reformation and there's all kinds of these kinds of discernment site, the, the discernment sites of the day right. are all over the place, but, uh, it just, it doesn't spread as fast. And, um, you know, so I think, I think it's important that we are just mindful. And so I guess if I'm going to give some practical tips, I would just, again, say, um, look for people who are pursuing Jesus, who exalt the name of Jesus. One of the interesting things was, uh, Lauren was helping me out and she was looking on one of these discernment sites that she has seen kind of get some more momentum. And she said, it's really fascinating because the site never quotes Jesus. Right. Never. Right. And so that would be a thing like you can't say that That's that person's pursuing Jesus when they never quote Jesus. And, um, and then we're, of course, we're not saying that you only quote the gospels, but if, if that's not kind of your, you know, starting point is not Jesus, well, then you're not going to arrive at truth. You're going to arrive at some other, um, you know, perversion of that. So, so look for people who are pursuing Jesus, be encouraged by people, but don't idolize them. Be encouraged by what they write and how they speak, but don't don't put them on a Christ a pedestal that only Christ belongs on. Right. Um, use that as encouragement in the body. When you are unsure about something, talk with other people in your community, and um, and and kind of try to discern together. And uh, I, I I think those are just I don't know those are just some of the handful of things that I would throw out there. Um, to people and don't, don't expect people to be perfect. Don't, don't right. despair when somebody says something, look for consistent fruit and watch how people age. Like this is a big one to me. Like as yeah. you're trying to discern, there are a lot of people that the church, the American church praised heavily at 30 years old who now are nowhere to be found because they didn't persevere. Right. They didn't last. Right. And so watch how people age. Godly people become more gentle and more unified as they age. That's Amen. just even, but that doesn't mean they lack passion. Right. You can find lots of older saints who are still speaking and teaching with incredible passion, but it is also a passion that is marked with humility. It's marked with grieving over sin, not through condemnation. Um, it's it's marked by a gentleness and an empathy um, and just a sweetness of spirit that that we should be that we should be looking for. So man, that's dude. so good and so true. And there's uh there'll be much more to cover after next week's sermon <laughs> next as week's well. Week. So we'll uh to be continued. To be continued. I hope it lives up to the hype. Tune it in next won't. week. It's not going to. For how can it Seems not? Like, okay. 
How could it possibly not live up to the hype now that people, I just need people to know that I did not intentionally, like, I know you said that earlier, but it was never meant to be a tease. As I'm saying it, I'm going, oh, this is, because I promised to reveal what I think is the biggest threat, the biggest false gospel. Yeah, that is by definition a tease. It is, and I know it tortured some people, but I do think it's a little funny, so tune in. So tune in. In the meantime, (laughs) if you have any questions about... uh, last Sunday's sermon or Or uh, this podcast or anything that should strike you as odd, concerning, or encouraging. We would love to hear that. So please, uh, you can go to our website at faithpeshtigo.com and click on our little round faces in the the who we are and send that directly to us. Or you can send it to connect at faithpeshtigo.com. We would love to hear your questions, uh, things that you're being encouraged by in the word. Uh, we love you, church, and the only reason we do this is to try to encourage and equip you to to love Jesus more fully and, and serve him more effectively. So uh, you can help us doing that, to do that, by, um, by getting in touch with us. So thanks for listening, and grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ.